All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I'll be joined by ESPN's Michael Rothstein, who covers the Falcons for that website, to recap this Week 10 loss for the Falcons to the Dallas Cowboys. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter, at FalcFans. Of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, giving you written content on a weekly basis over at the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. That is, of course, the Falcoholic.com Locked On Falcons, of course, is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, where you can find Locked On Falcons free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify, as well as now on YouTube, where you can see this handsome mug each and every day. Make sure you, you give us a like, make sure you leave a comment while you subscribe to the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel. So today's episode, I will be joined a little bit later by Mike Rothstein, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN. You can find him as well on his own podcast from the perch, uh, you know, available on podcast platforms. And Mike's going to be joining us to talk about the Falcons week 10 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be talking a little bit about how to contextualize this sort of blowout loss, this embarrassing loss uh, that the Falcons suffered on Sunday. We'll also be talking a little bit more about this team's identity and sort of the notion of their ability to win some of these close games late, um, which they didn't have opportunity to do on Sunday, but also sort of what they need to do offensively if they're going to be able to get their offense back on track for this closing stretch of games this season. Do they need to run the football more? Do they need to throw the football more? All those various things. So we'll get Mike's thoughts on that. And then we'll look ahead to this upcoming Thursday night matchup between the Falcons and Patriots, and we'll talk a little bit about what we can expect in this matchup, whether the Falcons can have a rebound game, what's going on with the Falcons injury situation. And, you know, on that note, Mike and I talked this morning before he headed over to Flowery Branch to get the updates on the Falcons. And he touches upon that later in the episode. But now that you guys, now that I'm recording this later in the day, uh, we have a little bit more information in regards to uh, what the Falcons injury situation is. And Tom Pelissero of NFL Network basically tweeted out that Cordero Patterson might be a multi-week injury. He was listed as limited on the Falcons initial practice uh, report on Monday, but they didn't practice. It was, it was basically a walkthrough. So they were just estimating it. And as Mike touches upon later in the episode, we'll find out sort of a little bit more about Patterson as well as several other player status on the Tuesday practice report. As many of you guys are listening to this episode on Tuesday or watching this episode on Tuesday or whatever the case may be. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, but wanted to acknowledge that because, you know, we record these things at different points of the day. So let's, without further ado, let's jump into that conversation with Michael Rothstein of ESPN. So guys, you guys know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, big governor Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter, at falcfans, and the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast. And I am joined by a preeminent guest here in Michael Rothstein, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN. Michael, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having me, and apologies in advance to those who might be watching this on YouTube or wherever. As I was telling Aaron before we started, mo- road Monday games, you end up looking pretty rough. Uh, and I look just rough enough that I did not really want to go on camera today, uh, unless I absolutely have to. And uh, luckily, Aaron gave me the, the out to not have to go on camera today. Yeah, yes. Well, uh, you know... Speaking of looking rough, it was a pretty rough game for the Falcons uh, this past Sunday. 40-point loss to the Dallas Cowboys. I guess my first question for you, Michael, is how how do we sort of contextualize this loss? Is this Do we just look at this as kind of a one-off? The Falcons did not play well. They didn't show up. This was a bad matchup against the Cowboys. Or should we be looking more into this, reading more into this as, as a loss of, of being a little bit more meaningful than that? Well, and it's interesting. I talked about this a little bit on my podcast from the perch as well uh, that dropped on Monday morning in that I think it's a little bit of both. Now, Dallas was a terrible matchup for Atlanta. And you knew that from the jump just based off of the same issues that we've seen from the Falcons all year, which is we knew that depth was a concern in a lot of areas. And that was exploited by Dallas over and over and over and over again. And there also is just this wide variance, and we've seen it throughout this season, of highs and lows with the Falcons under a first-year head coach, a new offense, a new defense, and a bunch of new pieces playing together. Now, midway through the season, a lot of that has been figured out, but they have had issues at certain positions. And... So I look at those things and I say, like, that's how I look at it is, yes, I think the score itself, the 40-point blowout is a one-off, you take it, you wash it. Matt Ryan said on Sunday, yeah, of course I need to learn from it because otherwise it's a day wasted. And there is truth in that. But a large majority of this, especially that second half, I think you can scrub and just say, I never want to watch that again. Unless maybe you're Josh Rosen because you haven't played in a, a game in a while, but Josh Rosen didn't look good either in his uh, fourth quarter bubble duty. So I think the bigger thing is to look at and say, okay, and I asked some players about this after the game, which is, do you feel like this year was a gap between the Atlanta Falcons and some of the best teams in the NFL? Because Dallas is, in my, at least in my opinion, one of the top five or six teams in the NFL. And Players said no, or they danced around the question. My answer is yes, it absolutely does. Because CeeDee Lamb against Fabian Moreau or Avery Williams is a matchup that CeeDee Lamb is going to win, I don't know, 9.5 out of 10 times. And we saw that. Uh, You know, I I think it maybe would have gone a little different if they'd had Isaiah Oliver, but that goes to the depth question. I had asked Arthur Smith last week, hey, is Avery Williams doing more for you as a rookie than you anticipated? And he was very honest and said yes. Because there was no anticipation that Avery Williams at the start of the year was going to be their nickel. Absolutely not. So they're in-depth holes already. And then you look at receiver on the other side of the ball. Well, you know, I know people like to complain about Matt Ryan. I get it. I understand that people like to do it. But there were 10 passes defended. That's not on Matt Ryan necessarily. When your number one receiver is Russell Gage, your number two receiver is either Olamide Zacchaeus or Tajay Sharp, and the other guys are number three, I'm sorry, that is probably a bottom five to six receiving core in the NFL, which shows that the depth just isn't there. And 
a large part of that's on Gage because a lot of people, myself included, thought that Russell Gage was going to take a real step forward this year, going to have a real opportunity, going to be the number two from the start of the year. And he just has not delivered. And say what you want, but to be the – even if you're number three in that pecking order behind Kyle Pitts and, Cord- and Cordero Patterson, to be the number one wide receiver on a team and to not have a catch in two of three weeks – you are not a number one wide receiver, and you're probably not a number two wide receiver. So that's how I contextualize this. I look more at some of the micro stuff than the bigger macro picture because I think in the macro picture of looking at just the result of the game, this was going to be a tough game for Atlanta to win no matter what. And the fact that they got blown out, I, that that doesn't do as much for me because – I think that it became a very clear snowball situation once kind of the middle of the second quarter hit. And we already saw the issues. So just interjecting here, guys, uh, to talk about what's coming up on today's Lockdown Falcons. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Falcons' identity and Mike sharing his thoughts on what this team's offense needs to focus on so that they won't necessarily have any more three-point outings coming up on today's Lockdown Falcons. But before we get there, guys, you know, in life, we're bound for very different things. With beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, bound for togetherness. You could be bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation, or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I go to a beach resort, I'm going to wine and dine myself, whether that be poolside or on the sands, listening to the crash of the ocean waves. And as long as I got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be happy as a clam. So head to beachbound.com and you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you're looking for and whatever you're bound for visit beachbound.com today. Now you, you talk about them getting blown out. And one of the things that you wrote about last week was that this team seems to find an identity late in games. Um, And obviously that didn't necessarily apply on Sunday because they were kind of out of this game by the middle of the second quarter. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, is is this team basically a team, as they have been in a lot of their wins this season, a, a team that if they can keep things close going out, going into the fourth quarter, that they have a way of pulling out and that's going to be something that they can rely on uh, you know, to have success week in and week out this year? I think so. It goes back to what we were, I was talking about before about variance, where this team just more than maybe some other NFL teams seems to have a higher range of unpredictability. But I would say more often than not, if I were watching the Falcons and it was a one-possession game toward the end, I would feel pretty confident that they're going to have a real shot. Now, we saw what happened, obviously, during the Washington game. And technically, Carolina was a one-possession game, although, uh, I mean, they were they were not playing well that day, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that was I, – I need to see something from the offense in order for this, for this identity to work. Because to me, it's as much an offensive identity as it would be a team identity, what I wrote about. And maybe I should have been a little bit more clear in that. Because the defense, I think, is what it is. We understand. And and if you're watching this team and you don't get it at this point, I really don't know what to tell you. They are operating with a talent deficiency on defense. And they're operating with more than one that I thought of on offense, at least from the beginning of the season. I think their identity is still in close games that they have the medal to come out with those wins more often than not. And I think that that is an identity that you can still harp on but if you can't get to that point 
then that doesn't, then that identity doesn't matter, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what we saw on Sunday. I mean, and really, listen, we've seen a team that has been very, very good in certain weeks. And we have a team that has been atrocious in two weeks and really bad in another. The atrocious being obviously Philly and then Dallas, and then the really bad being Carolina, because I thought they were actually decent on defense, despite giving up all the rushing yards. You you hold the team to 19 points, you should win that game. And Atlanta's offense largely this year has been more productive than 19 points a game. So that, that to me was an offensive issue. But yeah, you have to be able to get to the end of the game for that identity to show up. <laughs> like, it, it, well, I don't care what your identity is. If you're down 36 to three at half, your identity for that day is just, you know, pack up your ball and, and go home. And we saw that, especially in the fourth quarter, because they're playing again on Thursday. And last thing you want is to get a guy come up with a pulled hamstring or something like that in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game because you're playing them or Matt Ryan taking an awkward hit or or roll an ankle. And then all of a sudden, well, you're out for Thursday too. And that's the last thing you want if you're Atlanta. Yeah. I I do want to touch upon that injury situation heading into uh, this week a a little bit later on the show, but um, you you talk about the sort of the ups and downs we've seen from this offense and you know, when we talk about identity, typically, you know, I'm thinking of, okay, what are you, what are you trying to do offensively? What are you trying to do defensively? I agree with you in general that I think the defense lacks a certain talent level in particularly when you can't affect the quarterback in the ways that the Falcons can't affect the quarterback, then there's really not a whole lot you're going to be able to do particularly against high level quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, like we saw on Sunday. Um, but on that offensive side, it, it, to me, it seems like, this is a team that needs their offense to be able to consistently put points on the board. And you've pointed out several instances where this team has struggled to do so. And I, I guess my next question is sort of what is the thing that they can kind of hang their hat on on the offense? It seems like when this offense is cooking, it's primarily been the the KP and CP show uh, in, in terms of Kyle Pitts and, and Cordero Patterson. And, you know, we've seen Arthur Smith wanting to run the football, but their running game has been you know, not very good uh, is probably the kindest way I can say it throughout the season. That was, that was very kind. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, th- when you are throwing, that has forced them to kind of lean towards throwing the ball a lot more, but you've already touched upon that their wide receiver core, you know, again, outside of Kyle Pitts and, and Cordero Patterson, you know, has been very inconsistent and, and generally unreliable uh, this season. So do you sort of lean on the passing game more knowing that you're going to have that sort of variance that you're you're speaking of, or do you still try to continue to remain balanced with the running game, trying to get that going? And and does that mean that we get more Wayne Gallman, which is, I've heard a lot of people talk about these last couple of uh, weeks of of maybe seeing more of Wayne Gallman and less of Mike Davis. Uh, So what, what do you think the Falcons do offensively moving forward to, to try to figure this thing out on offense? I mean, I think a lot of it is what they have done in weeks past, which is a lot of Kyle Pitts, a lot of Cordero Patterson, as you were talking about. I don't think you abandon the run because you become one-dimensional at that point. Your offensive line is not good enough to handle being one-dimensional. You need to run as much to keep defenses off balance as you do have it be productive. And that, that's – and Aaron, you've covered – 
this for a long time. You know how this goes. Not every play is designed to be a 10-yard gain or a touchdown. Like sometimes you're running a play that you know is going to gain a yard because you're setting something up for four plays from now or two quarters from now. And that, I think, is what we're seeing the run game do. Now, I can't see – maybe they go to Wayne Gallman more. I don't see that being an answer. (laughs) I think that that's just a – attempt at a solution that is not going to work because listen, I watched Wayne Gallman run on Sunday, just like you did. And I'm sorry, right? Wayne Gallman, they're not getting enough push on the offensive line for anyone other than Cordero Patterson. And that's also because Cordero Patterson is not rushing 15 times a game. If he was, I think those numbers would be a lot lower because he's not a natural running back. As good as he's been in that role, there are also weeks when he's gone, you know, Nine carries, 14 yards. Like, they just don't have a run game. Some of that's on the offensive line. A lot of that is on Mike Davis's production or lack thereof. And I asked actually about that last week. And what, you know, where do you gauge him as a running back? I asked that, I believe it was Dave Ragone. And Dave Ragone talked about his pass protection. Well, that's great. And if he's a pass protecting back for you, okay. But he's, you signed him to be your lead back, and that has not worked. So I think that. Getting back to what you asked, they have to go a lot with what Arthur Smith does well, which is use personnel packages to create mismatches. They've done it in certain games, like New Orleans, like uh, parts of that Washington game, certainly against the Jets, very effectively. I I would argue a lot against Tampa as well. Now, granted, they had Calvin Ridley for that game, but they – exploited matchups. That's been what Arthur Smith has done well throughout his entire tenure in Tennessee as an offensive coordinator, helped in some of that having the ultimate matchup problem in Derrick Henry. But I think what you've seen schematically from Arthur Smith this year has been more good than bad. It's just half talent and half, if they can't get a Patterson and a Pitts going, and they got both of them going early, and then, you know, but they it was clear that they weren't going to have the horses to compete with an offensive as explosive as Dallas is, and that goes into that gap that we were talking about. So I would I would stay the course with what you have because it's not like you have cap space to – they weren't going to be in the OBJ sweepstakes, right? They weren't going to be in the Deshaun Jackson sweepstakes, which two guys that could have made a difference because of their cap situation. So you kind of are what you are, and I think you have to make do with what that is. And I know some people will probably say, oh, well, that, well give Frank Darby a chance. I hear that a lot. And listen, man, like, no, I, he, he's just not there. You know, I mean, he was targeted three times late. He caught one pass. Got the Falcons only first down. So that's a, a win on his first career reception. But he's not ready. And, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be ready, but he's certainly not ready now. And to me right now, while you're still in this playoff hunt, and they are still at four and five, whether people want to believe it or not, like the, this middle of the NFC is bad. It, or not bad. There's every team has pretty large flaws. They're, so they're in it. I think you have to stick with what you what got you there and find ways to scheme to get Russell Gage open. Like that, you have to figure out. Find ways to get Tajay Sharp open. Although Tajay Sharp's done a pretty good job with contested catches, I just think that yesterday was such an aberration for these guys. But I would stick with what you're doing because it has worked more often than not this year. Because they put up 25 points a game or more, more often than not this season. And that's 
that's not bad. And then that puts things on your defense and that's a whole other conversation, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but it, it does seem like stay the course, but there's probably going to be games like this moving forward, given the the schedule arguably gets a little bit tougher uh, for this home stretch, you know, the second half of the season. Uh, and, and we're just going to have to accept that there's going to be some weeks where the team doesn't have it uh, offensively. And, you know, hopefully you're not getting beat by 40 points in those games, but it's just going to be, we've seen a couple of, of, of clunkers for this offense and, and that's just going to be par for the course until I guess we get to the off season and they can sort of address some of these talent issues. Is that fair to say? Uh, that's how I, that's how I view it. Yeah. I mean, listen, the, at the beginning of the year, right. Most people would have said, Hey, if this team's 500, that's actually considering the roster. That's not bad. And, you know, and, th- and this happens with reporters. It happens with fans. It happens. I think even within teams to an extent, once you get in the season, you kind of forget like, okay, this is maybe what like everyone thought you might be. And that hasn't changed for me. You know, I, I missed on some predictions. I, I hit on some predictions. And to me, I think like right now where they are is, yeah, they, they're going to be a team that had some really good games offensively and some really bad ones. And no one could have predicted the, the Calvin Ridley situation like that. And that, I think, changes a lot because even though Calvin Ridley was struggling, he was still producing and getting attention from opposing defenses. Because if you didn't pay it, like you can get away with single covering Olamide Zacchaeus. Russell Gage and Tajay Sharp. You can get away with that and put more attention on Patterson and on Kyle Pitts. If Calvin Ridley's on the field, you can't do that because if you do that to Calvin Ridley, guess what? Calvin Ridley's going to go for like 8-130 and probably a couple scores. So I think that that's been an issue too in terms of how they've mixed and matched. You know, they've kind of forgotten about Hayden Hurst as well. He's become a forgotten human in this offense, which is unfortunate for him in a contract year. But really, if you think about it, they have three guys, well, four if you include Patterson, but three guys right now in contract years who you thought maybe you would get a lot from that you haven't. And that's Gage, Hurst, and Zacchaeus. And all three of them are, I think, putting themselves possibly in tougher situations this offseason. And that's going to be really interesting because like you were talking about the offseason, that's when some decisions need to be made. And Atlanta's not going to have a ton of cap room, so they're going to have to be smart about things and really look toward that draft. To Terry Fontenot's got to be pretty darn good in the draft this year if they want to be markedly better in 2022. We'll see what happens. You know, I've been saying for <laughs> six months, you know, I'm fascinated to see what happens in the 2022 offseason because I think that's when – some bolder decisions will probably have to be made about the future of this team, but we'll see what happens. Obviously uh, moving ahead on today's episode, we're talking about more about the immediate future, given that the Falcons have uh, a short week uh, against the new England Patriots. So guys, I want to thank you for making lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. And I always have recommendations for what should be your second listen each and every day. And of course, if you're an Atlanta sports fans, you should check out the Locked On Braves podcast, Locked On Hawks podcast, Locked On Bulldogs podcast each and every day on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And particularly for Locked On Braves and Locked On Bulldogs, you can also check out those shows here on YouTube as well. But as we continue today's Locked On Falcons episode, I know some of you guys often are stuck in bumper to bumper traffic 
uh, in Atlanta or maybe wherever else you call home and you wind up burning through a ton of gas and you wonder how can you save at the pump? Well, you can do so with the new app called Get Upside. Get Upside is free. And when you open up a free account, you get 25 cents pack per gallon every time you fill up. And over time, that kind of savings can really start to add up. Some people making as much as two to $300 a month. Uh, and when you now open up an account with get upside and use our special promo code touchdown, you get an additional 25 cents back per gallon. So that's up to 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. So don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free get upside app available on the app store or on Google play. Use our promo code touchdown. When you sign up, that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. Let's talk about this Patriots opponent. They're on a four-game winning streak. They've been pretty hot right now. They just beat the brakes off of the Browns this past Sunday. And so you probably look at, particularly given where the Falcons are coming off of this game, it's going to be a, a pretty tall order for the Falcons to have a rebound game on a short week. But they're at home, but they haven't been particularly great at home. There's always this sort of expectation when you face the Patriots and Bill Belichick that he's going to take away your best player. I, I guess, you know, maybe there's a debate over whether Belichick will focus on Kyle Pitts versus Cordero Patterson. But, you know, he's known for having success, whichever he chooses, having success and, and forcing the other players to beat you. Um, you know, I guess it gets back to the conversation we just had with if if the Patriots are successful in taking away one of those guys, do the Falcons have enough? Um, elsewhere and can get enough contrib- contributions from the, the rest of their group to, to potentially win this week? I would say no, truthfully. And Bill Belichick, I guess, talked this morning. He usually does a radio show Monday mornings up in Boston, and I got an email about it. I get a lot of PR emails. and this, But this one stuck out to me because he talked about Kyle Pitts, and he said that Kyle Pitts, he thinks, is already one of the better players in the league. So Bill Belichick has knows Kyle Pitts pretty well. Right now, like I, I think that you're going to see Belichick meet one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to say, "Okay, we're going to give you Kyle Pitts and only give you Kyle Pitts," or which Belichick has done in the past. I just finished Seth Wickersham's book about the Patriots dynasty. Must read it if you're a football fan. Like read it; it's an interesting character study into kind of how to team build and program build. But there are times when they would say, "No, we want you to do this." And that could be they want them to go to Kyle Pitts because that means that it's going to be only Kyle Pitts that's going to be able to beat you. And I don't think he's at that level yet, personally. This is going to be really a difficult matchup on offense and on defense for the Falcons, specifically on offense, because if they do say, okay, going to take away Kyle Pitts, then you're relying a lot on Cordero Patterson and he can make a lot of plays for you, but you need to get something from Mike Davis in this game. You need to get something from Russell Gage in this game. If you don't, you're probably looking at, you know, another double-digit loss. And part of that, too, is Bill Belichick probably knows Dean Pease's defense better than most, considering they worked together for a while. Dean Pease talked last week, and he's talked about the Patriots' offense and how it's this massive playbook and how Dean Pease also has this massive playbook. Well, Bill, Bill Belichick's going to know a lot of that playbook. Now, Dean Pease, in theory, will know a good amount of what the Patriots are going to try and do as well and have some firsthand knowledge there, although obviously it's Mac Jones and not Tom Brady. But, yeah, I mean, I think this this is a fascinating matchup in a lot of ways too because I think that 
Atlanta's defense can theoretically fluster New England because New England doesn't have the, the tools that Dallas has, specifically to me in the run game. And that's where, you know, if you have a strong running back, kind of the Falcons have to try and sell out there. I think we saw that against Dallas. Sure, CeeDee Lamb killed them, but, I mean, they put a lot of attention on Zeke. And they put a lot of attention on Tony Pollard. And that, to me, says, well, maybe they can be a little bit more balanced. Maybe they don't have to try to bring everything at that front in order to make a difference. And I'm curious to see how that goes. But, yeah, this is this is a tough task for, uh, for the Falcons. And really, they're third in a row that you're like, ooh, this is a really – really difficult matchup for them because yeah they didn't play well on Carol against Carolina but the Saints uh Dallas and New England all in a row that's that's rough and the other part of this too Aaron and I'm really curious to see this because again this is my first year covering the team I'm curious to see how, what Mercedes-Benz Stadium is like for the for a really their only national showcase of the year but you're playing a team that travels well I'm a Northeastern transplant myself from New York. I know there are a lot down here because I've met a bunch of them. And, you know, the Patriots only come down here once every seven years. So how much of Mercedes-Benz Stadium is actually going to be like an extension of Foxborough, or I guess Gillette Stadium now, versus Mercedes-Benz, where the Falcons have not won this year and generally have not drawn well this year either. That's going to be super interesting to me, especially, again, coming off of a blowout where fans are not exactly enthused about the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. You know, another aspect of this upcoming matchup, uh, and you've already touched upon some of these players, and um, but, you know, you look at Hayden Hurst, who exited the Cowboys game late with an ankle injury. There were several other injuries uh, in that game that saw certain guys in and out of the lineup, like Foye Aluakun and A.J. Terrell. And, you know, given the short week, typically teams tend to be very conservative with their injury guys and, and don't want to rush guys out uh, and, and basically save them and, and give them the extra rest that they'll get after a Thursday game. So you, you already talk about the toughness of this matchup. Is, is that going to be potentially made tougher if the Falcons are down several key players and starters on both sides of the ball? Um, this week, and you know, I, I know we're recording this early uh, Monday morning slash afternoon, so we haven't gotten really updates on that yet. But sort of, which of these players that were a little nicked up in this Cowboys game should we be monitoring this week to see what their status is for Thursday night? Yeah, I would say probably Hayden Hurst, and I would look at Cordero Patterson as well. And this is on a lot of us in the media. Like we didn't ask about Patterson after the game. I didn't realize he didn't play in the second half until. I kind of looked at the stats later because it was such a blowout and they were starting to pull guys a little bit. But I'm curious. A couple of people mentioned to me that his ankle had gotten taped up. I, I'm talking about it on Twitter here. So that's going to be something that I'm going to actually ask Arthur Smith today when he talks later on in the day. And that's something to watch. Hayden Hurst to me would be a concern. AJ Terrell looked like he was theoretically able to come back in the game if he wanted because he came out of the blue medical tent, grabbed his helmet, he ran back over to the general position group area, that to me is a sign that he was okay. But we'll see what this injury report looks like on Monday because they have to release one. Foya Lewican came back and played a good majority of the game. He said that it was like an initial stare type thing. And then once he kind of bounced around and moved on it, he was better. And he played really almost every meaningful 
you're, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes, meaningful snap after that. So to me, it's guys like Hayden Hurst, maybe pay a little bit of attention to Cordero Patterson. And maybe it was what I initially thought it was with Patterson, which is just they held him out to be smart because, you know, that dude's taken a lot of punishment this year too. And I think you just you pay a lot of attention to that. And I wouldn't freak out. I'm not sure when this is going to drop, whether it's later today on Monday or if it's going to drop a few days. I wouldn't freak out if it's a long injury report either because you have to give an approximation. And there there would be a lot of guys that on a Monday or a Tuesday would be limited just because, man, football games beat you up. So don't stress that. But if there's a new injury that we don't know about on there, that's something to watch. And to me, Tuesday is going to be their only true day of on-field work that's not a walkthrough if a guy is out on tuesday that to me might raise some eyebrows so that if if you are a fan paying attention that to me is generally when my my antenna starts going up is okay this guy missed practice on tuesday but then again i mean with the way the falcons have gone with certain things steven means is a guy who practiced limited all week talked on thursday and said hey like i actually avoided you know significant injury here well he's now on injured reserve so Kind of just any injury you see, be a little worried about. But to me, you know, the Hayden Hurst one might be a big one to watch because he was ruled out pretty quick. But again, it was a preseason game like blowout at that point. So they might just be like, well, he's not going back in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mike, I appreciate you joining me here on Locked on Falcons. Let the listeners and viewers know where they can find your stuff. Uh, yeah, and, and absolutely. When, thanks for having. Thanks for having me. By the way, and when you uh, when you clean up, uh, you know where where they can see your handsome face. Uh, yeah, no, uh, you can see my handsome face nowhere except my little Twitter Twitter <laughs> avatar. But uh, and and really, no one would call it handsome. But I appreciate it. Uh, no, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. My podcast is called From the Perch, and you can find it wherever you download your podcasts. Uh, I'll obviously read all of my stuff over at ESPN.com. I have a pretty cool story coming out on Thursday. I think it's going to run Wednesday or Thursday that I've been putting, been, been working on for a little while. I can't really say exactly what it is yet just because it hasn't run, but uh, check that out as well later on this week. So yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me at this point. And I'm really active on Twitter, probably too much for my own sanity and soul, but uh, you know, here we are. Okay. All right, man. I, I look forward to chopping it up with you later and, and seeing what this team does this week and potentially later this season to, to see if some of these things that we've been talking about come together. But I uh, appreciate you for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime. So, guys, that's going to do it for us here on today's Locked on Falcons podcast. Appreciate Mike Rothstein for joining us on today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow to talk a little bit more about what I saw on the film uh, when we get into a Q&A portion of today's episode I, I one of the things right now i can say i do want to focus on when i do sit down and watch the film tuesday morning is you know why did kyle pitt stop being effective uh after basically the first two drives um and you know this has been a question and concern that we've been raised multiple times on this podcast over the over the season where it seems like kyle pitt is very hot or very cold in this offense and trying to find some consistency there. And so will it be the same issues that I saw earlier in the season where, you know, 
whatever the issues were. I can't think of them right now. Uh, but you know what exactly those are, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure out, I'll go dust off my notes to, to figure out exactly what I was saying on, on previous episodes when we were talking about the subject. So that's the plan on tomorrow. If you want to send in any questions that you want to get answered on tomorrow's episode, of course you can do so via Twitter or Facebook at locked on Falcons via email at locked on Falcons at mail.com, or you can leave a comment here on this uh, YouTube video here in the comments there. Uh, so uh, definitely do that. And of course, as we duck out of here, another recommendation for your second listen. Uh, if you're particularly disappointed that you're not making enough money uh, betting on the Falcons, well, you know, the best advice that you can get in terms of what teams you should be betting on, whether it's football, basketball, or whatever, is the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, as well as handicapping expert Lee Sterling, giving you those daily picks, those blowout specials, and his lock of the day each and every day. And of course, Locked on Bets is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. So there you guys have it. Appreciate you for tuning in for another episode of Locked on Falcons. We'll be back tomorrow with a Q&A. Then, of course, later in the week, we'll be back with a Thursday crossover. And then, of course, on Friday, we'll be back to recap uh, this uh, Thursday night game between the Falcons and Patriots. So there you guys have it. Appreciate it. Till then.